Welcome to Leo Rising, a living tarot and creative intuition podcast. Here we'll have a conversational exploration of tarot, personal and spiritual growth, and identity formation. It's less of a how-to and more of a come along on the journey with me. I'll process stories from my life, both from the past and from the current moments that I'm moving through, to give listeners things to think about in their own journey. I'll also be introducing you to wonderful humans who are exploring these topics in their lives, either personally, professionally, or both. So my name is Jenna Fox, and I'm an educator, writer, tarot reader, Reiki master, and queer mystical mama. What I'm not is an expert. So if you're a seeker, if you've got a curious mind or are interested in esoteric topics, then this is the podcast for you. And I'm so excited to have you on the journey. Let's get started, shall we? Today on the podcast, I have had the utmost pleasure of interviewing or having a conversation with really Veronica, the urban hermit witch. And Veronica is somebody that I spend a lot of time chatting with on Instagram because their Instagram account really speaks to me in a way that I like I was saying to them um, probably like a month or two ago about how I have an entirely different feeling about rats now because they have these just adorable pet rats and seeing just the wisdom in their little tiny eyes and just the way that Veronica interacts with them is really just so beautiful to me. Um, but we also talk about astrology and ancestral healing and really they're just an amazing account to follow and somebody to talk to. So this um, interview, this conversation was just really um, amazing for me to participate with. And I want to give a proper introduction to the podcast. So Veronica is a mixed race settler on the unceded coast Salish territories in so-called Vancouver. They're a non-binary queer vegan who's a gardening priestess mystic living the urban hermit's life with their animal familiars. They're a double Aquarius who loves deep conversations, thinking about aliens, reading tarot, and dismantling oppressive systems. So I just hope that you enjoy this podcast interview with Veronica, the urban hermit witch. And of course, I will link in the show notes on how to follow them on Instagram. Okay, welcome. <sighs> To the podcast, Veronica. I am so excited to talk with you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I just want to give you a chance to introduce yourself to the listeners. Kind of anything that feels like it's coming up that you want to share about yourself, about where you are, about what you're doing, um, and then we'll just kind of roll with it. All right. Um, well, my name is Veronica. This is my chosen name. Um, I actually decided to go public with this name because I've had this name since I was a child, uh, maybe about three and a half, four years ago. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's a note, a little fact you probably didn't know about me. I do. Um, so I've been on like a soul healing path kind of since like my Saturn return about five years ago. I was just like kind of plunged into all of this stuff in a very um, tower sort of way. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So I've been doing like priestess work, which is like working with um, mythology and kind of like I'm doing, um, for lack of a better word, um, like shamanic type journey, um, where you go into like a trans state and kind of go into the subconscious or lower realms and speak with um, your spirit guides and work with different um, mythological archetypes to heal parts of yourself. Um, and I've been doing that with a mystery school for the last year and a half and I get um, initiated in the springtime. And through that same teacher, I'm doing um, some ancestral healing work right now. And really that's just kind of where I've been at with that. And then tarot is like an added on to that as well. That's amazing. I know we've, we've connected on Instagram in so many different ways. I feel like I'm always learning from you, but that um, ancestral piece has been something that's been really kind of like bubbling up for me right now in the last just a couple of months, actually, it feels like ancestral work is like really at the forefront of like what I feel like I need to be doing. So yeah, I feel like just everything that's going on in like the political climate and it's something that we're all being called to do and whoever is actually like listening to the call to do the work. And then obviously there are those who aren't, but um, I think for us that we are, you know, answering the call, it's really important for us to do this work mm-hmm. and to show up and yeah, just to show up and actually get into it because it's not easy work. <laughs> no, it really isn't. And I, I feel like there isn't a good, for me at least, a good like roadmap of like how I should be doing this. It's like kind of trying to find the fragments of from the past of like, okay, how did they do this? How should I be, you know, working with this? It feels like some of the, the knowledge has been lost in at least like the verbal directions for me and my family like here's how you should be doing ancestral yeah I think for a lot of us it has and I think because like you say it's I think a lot of this like wisdom has really been like passed down um, verbally in stories where people would sit and circle and stuff with each other and share stories and because we've lost storytellers in our culture we kind of lack lack a pathway for us to do this work mm-hmm. so we're kind of like finding it all over like we we have people in our society who have gone old but do we really have elders Ooh, we just have people who have like age yeah this is something that's been coming a lot coming up a lot that we've been talking about in our, our ancestral circle just like we don't we like we lack elders we don't have like wisdom keepers anymore we've lost that over like over time of colonization it's just something that's been removed from like every culture mm-hmm. you know yeah and so now we have to like rediscover it, but it would be, it's, it's, for me, it feels like it's been broken. It's been broken. Yeah. It's like rediscovering it isn't the same as like having my great grandma's recipe for how to do this, you know? Yeah. I, I like how you said it's like, we're picking up the fragments. It makes me think of like a mosaic and like, I think in the end when, I mean, is there really an end? Um, <laughs> um, but I think like what we're, what we're building from all of this ancestral work, each of us, and like in the collective, is like we're building a beautiful mosaic and picking up those fragments and putting them back together. Because mm-hmm. um, this isn't like, yeah, we have, we have our individual work, but we also have to do it as like a community. And I think that's something that we've lost. Um, somebody was talking about it the other day of just like, 
we have the individual work that we can do, but we forget that also this is community work and like self-care is important, but community care is, is more important too, because we've lost, we've lost our connection with each other and with building community. And I mean, that's one thing that I've really loved with connecting with like yourself and others in the tarot community, because the tarot community on Instagram is really wonderful and being able to connect with others and being supported by community. Cause it's, that's just something that, especially in like real life where I live, there's a lot of clicks. So building community can be really hard or starting community can be really hard. So one thing that I really love about um, social media is being able to connect with community around the world, something that we weren't, haven't been offered before. Yeah. And it, for, for me, it feels like there's that ability to then like show all of like, if you're going to go with that metaphor of like the mosaic pieces is like showing all the different pieces of my mosaic that I'm working on and then seeing how, how, wow, this fits in with this larger collective. And we're all working on our pieces here. And then we're kind of like, oh, this piece might go there. I mean, just in the couple of months that we've been um, friends on Instagram, I feel like every time you post something, I'm like, oh yes. And it just connects a thread or it's totally synchronicity about something that I'm experiencing in my life. And I'm like, Ooh, all of these little threads, it's like, it's going to lead us home. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The threads of relation is, it's like a word that came up because I just had an ancestral healing circle this past weekend. And like threads of relation is like kind of the term that I was, I came up with after that mm-hmm. weekend. Cause like we all share in the circle what comes up for us. And like each of us are like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can pick up on that. can pick up on that. And it's the same, like even um, in social media and connecting with community there and like picking up on different things that everybody is going through and it's like yes you can see all the connections that we're making and it's a beautiful woven tapestry that I can see forming without with all of our individual healing and collective healing because I I feel like it supports each other when we can find those threads of relation I mean like we are humans but (laughs) I think a large part of why social media has become so huge is like finding ways that we can relate to people and actually be like relating and not just you know, a brand out there to sell things and consume. Totally. So I'm curious, take me back like pre-Saturn return. Were you spiritual? Were you into tarot or astrology or any of this stuff? Or was it really kind of at the Saturn return that this just exploded into your worldview? Um, No, I definitely was. Um, Before that though, in like my early 20s, say my late teens actually like I totally I had my world figured out (laughs) I knew exactly what I wanted to do I had things planned and then um my stepmother had said to me something like oh well that's fantastic but like where do you have a man planned in your life and I just like was dumbfounded and I looked at her I'm like I don't know (laughs) and that's supposed to happen I don't know I want to go travel the world and do all these things and then it just didn't happen and I I just basically conformed myself to do what I thought other people wanted it wasn't until like in my later 20s that after having bad relationships and you know going through addiction and stuff that I was like I'm not living my life for myself what am I doing Mm-hmm. And like the spiritual part of myself really, I pushed it down really far um, and it just became non-existent in my early 20s. And I think that's why I like struggled so hard in abusive relationships and going through like addiction. Um, so in my late 20s, actually, it was like through losing one of my cats that just that I find like when I can go through like. and I'm sure many of us can relate to this, but when you go through some sort of heartbreak and grief, it really opens you up 
Mm-hmm. to what's beyond and from there I was able to really I got into like a spiritual practice it wasn't until my Saturn return that I actually bought another tarot deck because I had when I was like 15 and I bought like a the traditional Smith White Rider weight deck mm-hmm. and I worked with it probably until like my early 20s or so and I'm like I don't know I'm just not connecting with this deck it's like too real <laughs> I don't like what's coming up it's telling the future and it's just too real yeah I just kind of got a little scared of it and it's been probably more like the last couple years that I'm like you know I wasn't scared of the deck itself I was actually just scared of my own magic and so it's been like yeah yeah, I I think I I, especially because our society just makes us fear ourselves in our own power I mean I think because (laughs) you know the government forces and stuff know that we're powerful and if we acknowledge our own power then we can really dismantle these oppressive systems that we're all in so i think acknowledging our our magic our individual magic and our collective magic is so um foundational for us being able to transform what we are in to what we want it to become um astrology was not something i was very much into i knew like my sun sign Aquarius but like I had no idea about a natal chart I was like there's more to it than that right so it's really been like the last year or so that I've been learning more about it like I had a friend who's um, an amateur astrologer who gave me a reading earlier this year and that really helped me so I've got like a foundation that I've been working with Um, and then I heard about like medical astrology and like along with me wanting to learn about herbalism, it's something that's just really fascinating. So like my end goal is to want to learn about medical astrology, but I got to understand like the basics of astrology first. Mm -hmm. I mean, it goes deep. I feel like this is going to be a lifetime study. (laughs) Right. I know. I just feel like I just had an astrology and natal chart reading yesterday and she's going to do a follow up with my kids charts today. And I just feel like we scratched the surface like it. it, And and I've had my chart read before and it's like every time I'm learning, it's just like peeling more and more layers or just like it just blows my mind. But medical astrology isn't something that I'm really familiar with. Like, can you kind of give a breakdown? Because I'm sure that there's the people that are listening. Oh, gosh. Don't I, know. Yeah, I don't know that much about it. Um, I was introduced to it through a page on Instagram, and they incorporate um, medical astrology into the herbalism. So basically, like, from what I understand about it, it's um, so you know, like the RX sign that has to do with like um, pharmacies and stuff like that. You see it a lot with like um, drugs and stuff, mm-hmm. the little RX symbol. So anyways, apparently a long time ago on like a medical chart, when you had um, a, a reading with a doctor, the little RX symbol would mean that the natal chart had been read of that person. So then mm-hmm. that way... Yeah, so then that way, whatever they were prescribing a person could be related to their chart. So depending on what, like, elements are in your chart, if you're, you know, heavy in fire or water, you might be more prone to stagnancy or to burnout. Um, Then what, like, I'm just starting to learn about astrology aspects, so (laughs) don't um, take what I'm saying too seriously because I'm still learning. Um, Hey, that's that's what I love about this. (laughs) Like, it's just that we're like beginners and it's cool. Like, and, and we, I'm 
we can talk about it and it's like it, that's fine and we'll and then we can have another conversation in a week from now and be like and this is what I learned now exactly inspiring each other to learn further what we're talking about so yeah so like what I'm understanding with medical astrology is like depending on what kind of aspects are going on so like if you've got um some planets are squaring other planets you might like be like harder contractions going on um, in your chart so you mean might be predisposed to certain things happening so you can more like when you know a person's um astrological chart and can understand from like a medical perspective what is happening you can actually better prescribe herbs that might be working because like a lot a lot of stuff with herbalism it's like a general like this herb works for this thing and then you might generally prescribe it to any person but what might actually be happening in their um, astrological chart might be completely different and that herb might not do anything for it so when you know a person's um, when you can look at a person's um, astrological chart or natal chart and you can see what going on in the body because of the energies that are happening there then you can better prescribe something for a person to actually effectively work rather than just prescribing a herb that has all of these um, constituents that work for it but might not directly target what's happening in that person's energy yeah that is just such a great idea I mean it's like actually getting to know that person as an individual instead of just kind of like here's the general information or here's the general like you know plant or medicine or thing that could help like a lot of people but like really knowing that person's chart and information and their system because we're all so unique that's really really cool i know when i like heard about it because um the ig account is evolutionary herbalism so in the springtime i think they might have it again next spring so keep your eyes peeled for it but they have like a free um mini course for it um to learn about um astrological herbalism or evolutionary herbalism is what they call it um so i took the little free mini course and it just blew my mind open i'm like this makes so much sense they call it vitalist herbalism because you're actually um sorry targeting what that what is unique in that person's chart and what their body makeup is Right. No, it's just, it's like, yeah, blowing my mind too, thinking about, it's only really been in the last year that I've been like making tinctures and, um, and oils and trying to get into just even like a basic understanding of like what plants can do. And it feels so both intuitive, but also again, going back to like, where are my elders, <laughs> right? Where are the people teaching? Yeah. <laughs> Now when I know what goldenrod looks like, I see it and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like my friend and I'm driving down the road and I'm like, look, St. John's Ward and goldenrod and yarrow. And people are like, well, people, meaning my husband and children are like, can we just, <laughs> can we just drive? You know, like, <laughs> but I'm like, no, please stop. I have to pick this. <laughs> like, yeah. I know. Like this year I started working with St. John's Ward and I was like, I started laughing this because I realized like I've got this plant growing like so close to me it's growing in like the gardens in like the apartment building beside me down the road tons of it and I like had been looking for St. John's wort for a couple of years well not like intently looking but right. I just knew that I wanted to work with St. John's wort and I was like oh well, I don't even know it's nowhere around here whatever and then mm -hmm. like once I actually was really wanted to put in the effort 
I just was like laughing because I'm like, it's right here. There's so much of it right yeah. here available for me to work. Right. Well, and, and it that's... was like, I sorry. Um, yeah, I was just feeling like the plant was screaming at me like, hey, I'm right here. <laughs> Hello. I know. I yeah. felt like I was just like identifying plants and, you know, I kind of had looked at my backyard and thinking like, oh, my backyard is such a mess and blah, blah, blah. And, and it is a mess if you think about it in the very um, suburban, like, Stepford wives like have to have your grass mowed to a certain amount of inches and, and you know and I'm like I looked this summer I'm like oh my gosh that's fireweed growing and that's yellow dock and that's plantain and this is like my whole my backyard has like amazing things it, they just don't fit into the box of like what a landscaper would have put in to make this house resellable you know yeah totally um because I work like I have a summer job and I work at a golf course and I do the gardening there so it's mm-hmm. like a lot of the practices just feel counterintuitive to me. <laughs> yeah. But I yep. try and like, I have like a vegetable garden area. So stuff, there's some stuff that I try and grow like kind of wildish and I just let it grow. And my, my boss, he's funny because he's like very, he likes things in lines and in boxes and in their orders. And he like, I remember cause I've worked at, I've worked there for 11 seasons now, 11 summers. And he's been there three years and his first year, he's like, yeah, you, you, your gardens are like, not what I like. (laughs) I just like kind of laughed. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not changing it. I've been here longer. Sorry. (laughs) Um, He's like, yeah, no, everything needs to be, I like things in their place and in lines. He's like, yours is just too like grown in. You have like, he calls it English style gardening where it's like, I like perennial beds and I like plants to grow and take up their space. And like, if they're touching the plants beside them, let, the t- let them touch the plants beside them. The right. communities, this is like how it works. I don't like to see the soil, especially because that keeps down, you know, the, the quote unquote weaves. Right, right. <laughs> then I don't have to do as much work. And, and, the, and the bees are happy because there's a lot of flowers for them to eat from, so... Right, right. No, I've been even thinking about, like, as I weed my yard, I'm like, these aren't weeds. These are just different plants. Like, I love you, baby. Dandelion. Okay, I got to dig you up, though. But yeah. Have you always dandelions? No, go ahead. I was going to say dandelions have so much, like, good nutrition to them. So if you have a yard where you can pull them out and they haven't, hasn't been treated, it's like, bring it in and have some good bitter tea. I know. And I've, I've, uh, like I've made a dandelion root, um, tincture and like just, just trying some stuff with it. But again, my, my cupboard that used to have like dishes in it now has things that are brewing and my husband <laughs> side eye, he's like, okay, what are we, are you going to open up an Etsy shop now? And he, he just like <laughs> opens the cupboard. He's like, there used to be a lasagna pan in here. What's, what's all this like stuff happening? <laughs> Uh, yeah I've got like I've got a ridiculous amount of herbs because this summer I was like I'm just gonna harvest all of the things and have a variety of things to try out because I just want to try making things and now I'm like okay so I gotta like I should make tea blends because I've got like so much like plant material that I don't know what to do with sometimes it's overwhelming because I just like harvested so much this year I'm like oh my gosh there's so much to choose from well that's how I feel about the golden rod when I finally found I was just so excited to find this patch of it and I just took what I felt was like a modest amount it was a tiny little garbage can 
that I had in my car because we just like pulled over and I just traipsed out into this meadow. We were up in the mountains, uh, kind of near, kind of near you, up by Mount Baker. Oh, cool. Yeah, like in between us. Uh huh. Yeah, and um. And I was like, okay, it's going to make like one jar. It'll be like great for the season. And I was like, 10 jars later. <laughs> like, I'm, oh, I wow. just sprayed it. I'm like, cool, I'm giving it to my mom. I'm giving it away for Christmas to some people. But I'm like, all right, I maybe uh, overdid it a little bit. How do you how do you moderate with plants when you don't know, you know? Yeah, it's true. I Like, goldenrod is one that I haven't seen. Like there are bits of it growing, but often I find that find that it's growing along like roadsides mm-hmm. and it's like obviously in contaminated area. So I've got like a little handful that I harvested that I want to make like some teas and stuff from. Yeah. I wanted to make a tincture, but I was like, I don't know. Do I want to use it all in tincture? Because I've got so many tinctures. I'm like, I don't know. My body can... I'm not a drinker, <laughs> so I can only handle like taking so much alcohol in my body at once. I know. I think about that with all my different tinctures. I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta use it wisely. Otherwise, what, what am I doing? How much alcohol am I ingesting? And is it working if I'm just mixing all this stuff? I don't know. That's where I don't know. I know just enough to be excited and curious and start working with it, but I don't know enough to like really have a good thoughtful regimen of like when I take stuff and the seasons and all of that. I'm like, okay, maybe year two or year five. Yeah, I, well, I mean, like, this is a good place for us to start. So that's kind of exactly where I am. I'm like, you know what, you got to start somewhere. So just start. Exactly. Have you always been a plant person? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember, like, I remember when I was a little kid going over, because my um, grandmother used to live um, on Vancouver, well, just on one of the little golf islands, just around Vancouver Island, and mm-hmm. we would go over there and visit her, and I remember, like, I loved to go out into the garden, and I wasn't so much a plant person at that time, but I just loved the earth, mm-hmm. so, like, she would just give me, like, a little hand shovel, and I would dig holes, and I would collect bugs, usually that. worms, yeah, so I would, like, collect all the worms until I would have, like, a massive mountain of them in my hands, and I remember going into, like, the kitchen and being like, look, look, look at all the worms, and she would, like, turn around, and I would surprise her, and she's like, get out of the kitchen with that right now, I'm cooking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, I would just, yeah, I'd be so proud of myself. Yeah, I didn't think that I was like just in in my adult life. I didn't think that I was really a plant person or like into this. But then, as I think back on my on my childhood, I was studying like wildflower books, and I was that you know when we couldn't go anywhere on any hike without me being like, "That's a western red cedar," and it's blah 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 blah, and that's a fir, blah, you know. And just kind of annoying everybody around me with my pretentious sort of knowledge of all this plant life around me. Oh, that's wonderful. I think it's like a healthy thing for kids um, to know more about plants. I mean, when I was younger, I didn't know like names of plants, but I always loved plants. Like I had my aunt who she took care of me a lot and she had a beautiful garden. So I remember being outside and like picking flowers and like did a little forest outside of her place. And on the edge, there was huckleberry bushes and I love huckleberry bushes. So I remember sitting there and like just picking all of the berries until like my stomach was full and I would Mm -hmm. feel sick from eating so many of them. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. I I love huckleberry and still to this day, it's like whenever I'm in the forest and I see huckleberry bushes, it just brings back that memory of like filling my belly until I felt sick. 
But I, I, I think like kids need more of that. And now because mm-hmm. like so much of development is encroaching on like our forests and our wildlife, kids don't have those experiences. We've got blackberry bushes everywhere though. So there's that. We do. We have a blueberry bush in our, in our yard, which I want more of because oh, it is what's so great is my kids love blueberries, but there's something so magical about them harvesting the blueberries during the blueberry season because they go out, they pick, they get a handful, they get two handfuls, and then there's more the next day that are ripe and they get to see you know, see the kind of cycle of it. And then there's the day where there's no more blueberries on the tree. And we, you know, it's like, then this starts to be fall is coming and it's cool to have, have that experience for them. And I wish that there were more. Yeah. I think kids need more of that. We've got um, a raspberry bush at my mom's house that we planted maybe about four or five years ago. And it's just so beautiful. Like even when I go over there and visit in the springtime and I can see the flowers starting, I feel like the little kid and I just get so excited. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, they're coming, they're coming. Mm -hmm. And then I'll like be on the phone with my mom for like, you know, once a week after. And then like, as I know, it's getting closer to the right time. I'm like, are they ripe yet? Do I come over? Are we like in them yet? Like, are they ready? And then all of a sudden there's so many and it's just like every couple days she's like, there's more ready to pick. And I'm like, ready? (laughs) My stomach is full. (laughs) I don't have any more room in my freezer. Although this time of the year, I'm like, do you have any raspberries left in your freezer? I've eaten all of mine. Right. Right. Or do I have to go get (laughs) store-bought? I know. That's one of the things that I miss the most about my grandma is, is the, the jam she would make from the raspberries. And just like, I still have, she died a couple of years ago and I still have in my freezer, one of her freezer jams. And I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to eat it yet. Even though it's a couple yeah. of years old. I'm like, because that's the last jam that she made and just that being able to use up the abundance and have yeah. it kind of throughout the season, which is just great and sweet memories. Yeah, and it's that connection to your grandmother as well, too, right? Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Yeah, and that's that the passing that down, right? Is you know, we she may not have had ancestral wisdom of other things, but there was that specific recipe, that specific thing. So simple, but so like connects mm-hmm. the the generations. Yeah, that kind of making it so beautiful. Yeah. So <clears throat> tarot I'm curious about um where tarot is fitting in in your life right now I know that you had been talking about uh sort of like exploring major archetypes and in your priestess work and is tarot like a reflection of that or how's tarot fitting in right for you right now um tarot actually like Tarot brought my intuition back, I found. Mm-hmm. Like this summer, I was having some stuckness with like my priestess work. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, I was just like, I was just getting blocks and not coming up with anything. And then Tarot came back in and I started practicing it a little bit more. And there was like this part of me um, that ended up coming back. Remember me saying how I like kind of became fearful of my own magic. So mm-hmm. I found that after a couple of weeks of doing like a daily tarot practice that part of myself that I had disconnected with I had come back and through there I was able to like actually go back to my priestess work and I'm like, okay, hey, that's exactly the connection that I needed. I just needed to be able to accept my own magic mm-hmm. for me to go further because I was just coming up with blocks or I'm like, 
what's going on. Um, so like the two don't really connect. I, I like kind of, I keep them separate. Um, but one thing, um, and that's mostly because my teacher suggested that. Um, but what she did suggest is like after doing some journey work, um, if I need like further clarification on things, then I can just pull a couple cards and see what comes up. And that's usually how I've been using um, my tarot practice along um, with my priestess work is just like if I need further clarification, then I'll use my tarot cards. Otherwise, it's kind of just been like a separate kind of thing that I've been doing. Although um, I did reset my Wildwood deck. It's been like my home deck. And I picked up a few other decks this summer and I feel like the Wild Unknown, or sorry, not the Wild Unknown, the Wildwood. The Wild Unknown was actually one of the ones that I picked up, though. Um, my Wildwood deck, I felt like it was, I could really feel the personality coming out. Like there was a little bit of resentment that I hadn't been doing enough work with it. Mm -hmm. So I reset the deck, and I've now been using it as work with like my ancestral work. So if I have stuff that I'm doing related with that, then I'll use my um, wild uh, Wildwood deck. What was your process like for resetting your deck? Because I feel like people have so many different kind of ways of cleansing and clearing. And I just put the deck in order from like the Fool all, and all the major arcana and then, you know, the swords, the cups, the, the wands and the pentacles. And I put everything in order and I just like let them sit there like that mm -hmm. for. And I've got like a little ancestral bowl that I made. Um, in the healing circle, our first weekend, I'm supposed to use that bowl for burning incense. So what I did is I just stuck the deck inside of that bowl and I set my intention of what I wanted to use the deck for. And I had the deck sit there for maybe about a week, mm -hmm. week or so. I love that. And then I started I've, using the deck again. Yeah, I've heard of that as a, as a method of kind of resetting, clearing, and I really like it. I really like it. I feel like it's very accessible um, and kind of cuts, cuts away some of... Um, cultural appropriation that I feel like sometimes we can use in the, in the spiritual community of just trying to kind of just take different things that aren't maybe ours or aren't yeah, mine. Yeah, you know, just, just sage it and everything's okay. Right. Exactly. Right. And it's like, it's so accessible to just say, just put it back in order and, and put it in the, in the windowsill or put it in your ancestral bowl or whatever, and just have some time. And, and that's, that's a really beautiful practice. Yeah, I mean, like, intention is everything, so if you're putting that energy there, and, like, I spoke to the deck and said what I wanted to do, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to do readings for other people with this deck, this is just, like, my personal deck, and it's just our work together, that's mm -hmm. it. I love that, I really enjoy having um, a deck just for me that I can use, even if I don't use it as much as decks that I'm using for other people or for the internet or whatever it's it's really it's really powerful for me what is your favorite deck to use so currently my favorite deck to use is the pagan other worlds and then oh, a beautiful deck and then also the numinous deck um because I really like how that creator um it chose to visually represent different races religions ability um that didn't feel forced. <clears throat> I feel like some decks just have people of color just because it's like they're checking off a box of like, oh, we need to have somebody mm, yeah. that looks queer or somebody that looks like they're, you know, not white. Um, so I really yeah, like the, that. The tokens. <laughs> exactly. Um, but for my personal use, I use the John Bauer um, tarot deck because he was a Swedish artist and 
the cards, they're kind of funky for me as far as when I, when I lay them out and I try to like fit them into the system of tarot that I know, um, because the images don't really match the, what I think the original descriptions or, you know, what the little white book would say. So I'm just kind of like created my own system. I mean, it's, it's tarot definitely, but I'm like, ah, that four, that four of swords doesn't feel like a four of swords in another deck. So I'm going to go with a different interpretation and the eight is going to be different, you know? Mm, yeah. More personalizing it. So then it mm -hmm. really becomes your own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I That's went through beautiful. and I like renamed the majors and just like, just, yeah. It was a cool, it was a cool process for me. That would be kind of like making your own tarot deck, but like with somebody else's art already there. Yes, exactly. Less work. Yeah. <laughs> Not having to do the art yourself. I can't even imagine the labor that goes into like making a deck. Like I have the Christy Rhodes deck, um, the next world tarot, and it's stunning. And I just look at the art and I'm like, oh my gosh, this must have taken so long to do like details and everything. And I think that's why like, it's a beautiful deck, but it is, it's a big deck. Yeah. So it's, I mean, like it has to be big so you can see the artwork. If the deck, if the deck size, if the cards were any smaller, you would lose, you would lose some of them to be able to see the intricacy in the artwork. Um, but it does make it a little bit hard. Like I'm, still every time I use it I'm like how am I supposed to shuffle this deck? right right <laughs> just throw it on the floor mix it around and pick it back up. I have done that yeah <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm really really curious and if if it's delving too like in too personal like we can just go a different route but I'm really curious about this priestess path for you and like what that is and what your intention with it like what it, when you're initiated in the spring like what does that what does that mean um really I feel like it's a coming home to yourself and coming home to your power because I think a lot of just the way society is it disempowers so many of us mm -hmm. um and me because I identify I mean I didn't say that in the introduction part but I identify as non-binary um my pronouns are they and them um that's one thing that i don't feel fully represented in the priestess work is because it is a lot of like um binary gendered stuff mm -hmm. um so it obviously does focus very much on the feminine archetypes but although i feel like because i've well i think a lot of us have just disconnected ourselves from that um, many of our feminine aspects of ourselves or they're kind of more in the shadow um, so I find through this work it's just me coming home to myself and like accepting a lot of the parts that I've cut off mm -hmm. and I feel through this work I'm actually and it's kind of caught me by surprise I'm like wow I actually feel more in my own power as a non-binary person <laughs> which in the beginning I like there was a, and I think maybe that's part of where some of the blockages came up for me because I felt a little bit of resistance to some of the stuff. And I'm like, okay, this just feels too binary for me. Mm -hmm. But it's been in like the last couple of months. And I think also this is incorporated with like dream work. Because I find since I've been doing the priestess work, my dream life has come a little bit more alive. Um, so like through dream work as well, 
I've come into connection with, you know, parts of myself that I cut off from. And like one of the, one of the parts of myself that I recently connected with was um, a little boy. Uh, this little boy kept showing up in my dreams and I was doing some healing work with um, my teacher and she was like, that must be a soul part of yourself that wants to come home. And once that soul part came back and doing this work that I was like, wow, actually me connecting to these feminine archetypes is me connecting with that little boy. Mm. It's, it's fascinating what comes up. So I feel, I feel like it's something that we should all, like I would encourage everybody to do Mm -hmm. um, just because you know, it helps us connect with those parts of ourselves that we've lost along the way. Where would you recommend people starting? Like if, I mean, I'm guessing if they're listening to a tarot and intuition podcast that they're like, people are interested, but like, let's say like, they're like, I haven't done this or I haven't done this since I, I was a kid. Like, where would you suggest starting? Um, I guess it depends on what you like doing. I mean, I like reading psychology books. Mm-hmm. Carl Jung is a wonderful, he's, he's got some really great work. I mean, depending on which work you're reading though, it's a little heady. <laughs> some of the stuff I'm like, oh gosh, I, this is, I'm out of my league here. Um, but a, a good way to start is like, if you like reading fairy tales, I like reading fairy tales. So mm-hmm. sometimes I'll just read like fairy tales. Like recently I picked up, um, Brothers Grimm's fairy tales. Yeah. Um, so pick up a book and start reading some old fairy tales. And then like, if you want to understand better about the symbology, just go on Google and like type up symbolism of, you know, so-and-so story and just like kind of break it apart and it makes it a little bit more understandable. And then you can be like, how is this relating to me? And like, just journal on whatever comes up. And that's like a great way to start. I love that. I listened to a podcast um, called The Wild Elixir. I'm basically just like, I just, here's all the podcasts that I books that I read. That's like why I have a podcast is like, let me just talk about all the things that I'm listening to. Um, but her, The Wild Elixir, she um, has people just like talk about their favorite fairy tale. And then we they pick it apart and they talk about how like it connects with their life. And it is so it just gets me thinking about all of the stories that I loved as a kid. Like I love that idea mm-hmm. of going and just like picking up a, a fairy tale book and being like, okay, let me just like read this and see like what comes up. I love that. I have not heard of that podcast, but I am definitely going to check it out now. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. It's, it's so good. Like that people have so many different stories that are like interesting, you know, some it's like the ugly duckling and then at others it's fairy tales I have never heard or people say the same story but you're supposed to tell your version of it um like how you remember it and then talk about it and it's so cool like fairy tales are just amazing yeah they are like the one that i opened up to which i i actually picked up the grimm's book because i'm like okay so this child part that came back when i was that age i like to read fairy tales so i'm gonna pick up a storybook to read to this kid and I intuitively opened to the story of the juniper tree and I was like oh uh, junipers are beautiful trees so let's see what the story is and it is intense it's 
it's a little bit graphic for a fairy tale that I would think, you know, it's not something that I would want to read to a little kid. But as I like really started to dissect the symbolism, like at first after I read it, I was like, I don't even know what I think about this story, what it means, because that was just intense. Uh, I highly recommend checking out that book, so I won't do any spoilers here. Um, but so what I did is like after I read it, I just Googled up some symbolism and it just kind of got the wheels going. And then I'm like, okay, I get it. And then I kind of broke it down for what it means to me. And it's been, I'm still, I'm still like slowly breaking things down, but it's really amazing what came up just like reading one story. I love that. I love yeah. that so much. It makes me just like, I'm like, okay, as soon as I'm off the call today, I'm going to just like uh, break out. I got some Swedish uh, fairy tales, uh, a book, and I haven't, I haven't read it in a while. And I'm like, okay gonna pick one today and read it and see what yeah comes yeah I like bib uh, bibliomancy for that just like hold the book what do you think will come up what do I need to read right now what 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 does my soul need to hear and then just open it up to something and that's what happened when I like came upon like the juniper tree and still like honestly I got the whole book but I haven't read much beyond the Grimm's much in the Grimm's book just because like that story has been so profound. But when I open to other ones, I'm like, no, nah, I'm still like pulling out information from yeah. this first one that I read. Yeah. Cause it was just so rich and so potent. It's, you know, it's only like maybe like a five page story, but there's just so much symbolism in there. Well, yeah, that's the, the thing about fairy tales, stories, uh, ancient stories. And even it kind of, it makes me think too, even like connected with tarot is like, there can be so much depth in something that appears on the surface so small, you know, or even really good food, really good food. You don't need to eat an entire, you know, reindeer, a really good. I don't know why I picked reindeer. It's the Christmas, the Christmas <laughs> season. I don't know. But like, you don't need to eat. Like we consume a lot of food. We consume a lot of media. We consume a lot of stuff. I feel like sometimes cause it's like junk food, you know, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's one thing that I've always thought about, like with food, like when it comes to making a good meal, oftentimes like, like a good, rich, flavorful meal and like how long it takes to cook those meals. Like my grandmother and my aunts are like really amazing cookers. And I remember as a kid, like they would spend hours mm -hmm. cooking a really beautiful, rich meal and like how, how quickly we can eat it. And like, I think also with that is just like cooking and like eating food. It used to be done as like a community thing. Like you would sit down together at a table mm -hmm. and like share stories and talk. So the food became even more enriching because you're sharing stories over the food. Right. Now it's like you can spend hours cooking food and then you sit and eat and then it's done and over with. And then right. like you're on to the next thing. Right. It's not actually like taking the time to like enjoy all of the different flavors and bring in the extra nourishment that comes with like sitting with community. I mean, I'm a single person now. I just sit and eat by myself and often like my food is so bland because I'm just like, whatever. Right. As long as it's right. filling me and I'm right. getting the nutrition, like whatever. <laughs> I know. I feel that as a mom, there's times where I'm like, okay, I'm just like feeding my kids. We're just rushing from one thing to another or even like, like how you were talking about going back to this, the storybook and trying to read another one. It's like, I do that, 
just like scrolling or flipping the channel or whatever. It's like, have I, when I sit down to watch a movie, do I really just sit and just watch it or sit and eat and really enjoy it or let that fairy tale percolate and just sit with me? Or am I constantly on the move to try to be like more and more and more and consume more and consume more? And so, yeah. Yeah, I always think of like a good tea, like a good nutritional tea where you just like you're infusing it and sometimes it takes time. Like if you're doing like a cold infusion, Mm -hmm. you know, you put your herbs in the water and then you just let it sit there, sit overnight, sit in the sun and it's not something to be like taken in right away. So like when it comes with good stories or like even pulling a tarot card, it's like sometimes like I might pull a card and I might work with just that one card for a few days Mm -hmm. or like a week or so. And I'm like, I won't like it. It might be like two, three weeks later and I'm still working with the card that I pulled three weeks ago because it has its magic to work with. And I need to let it infuse in me and like take in the medicine rather than like, okay, like what's the next, what's the next thing for me to consume? What's the next message that I need to take in? Slow magic rather than like microwaved magic. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, microwave magic yeah <laughs> you yeah. know I mean which is magical <laughs> in its own way but yes yeah <laughs> but yeah um, it's like the high consuming and just like so much of it all at once rather than you know yes the slow magic sometimes can be even more potent than mm-hmm. the microwave magic <laughs> oh I love it oh my gosh I feel like we could just like talk for hours but we're we're like close to the hour mark and I just want to like open the floor for you as far as like, if there was anything that you like just was coming up for you that you haven't shared yet or yeah. Um, You know what? I've really enjoyed this conversation. This is the first time I've been interviewed for a podcast. So it made me really like a little nervous to talk about this stuff not to talk about the stuff, but just to like have my voice recorded more than anything. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not alone. (laughs) It's a whole new thing for me. Um, Yeah. I just like encourage people who are doing this work to like go a little bit deeper, you know, do some archetypal work. It's amazing what can come up, especially if you're feeling resistant to it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's I think the most important time to start. Yeah. I mean, and if people are really interested, um, the school that I'm going to is uh, Red Red Moon Mystery School. So you can always look up that. Um, My teacher just did an an intake, but she will be doing another intake for the fall, like next September. So if people are interested, you could always look it up. She has some like really beautiful stuff. And there's a whole lot of different mystery schools. I specifically just work with my teacher, Nakaya, because she's local so I can come and see her mm-hmm. and because she's local I've been able to like join in with a ancestral healing group because that's like an in-person thing so my mystery school has been like online and there's lots of different stuff so I just really encourage people to do that kind of work whether it's working with the tarot and going deeper with the archetypes or like fairy tales I don't know it's magical stuff in it I think it's powerful yeah, and it sounds like there's no wrong way to kind of like enter into the no. you know. Yeah, it's whatever just feels good. What do you feel called to do? Just pursue it. So the last question I have before we share kind of how people can get a hold of you and connect with you is where is creative intuition uh showing up in your life, maybe today or in this past week? 
Um, dreams has been a powerful thing that's been for me. Um, like I was saying, through a lot of this work, my dreams have become more powerful. Um, so like, like I was saying, there was the little boy that showed up. Now I have an older, elder woman that actually wants to come home for some healing. Um, so dream, dreams have been one way for me that my creative intuition shows up and being able to like, um, kind of work with the subconscious symbolism that comes up. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all dream, but <clears throat> not all of us have like a dream recall, which I found my dream recall also got better because I stopped smoking cannabis, mm. um, just specifically for that reason. Cause I found like my dream recall, like I could remember my dreams and then they would just quickly go away. Mm-hmm. So now that that's been one way that it, it, I find with working with my dreams a lot more is coming up. I love that. And I don't, I'm not one of those people that has like a journal beside my bed. I know like people say like, that's one way for better dream recall. I just have the intention that I want to remember my dreams and somehow I am. Yeah. I don't like, it's hard for me. I find like if I'm turning on my light light and like start writing things like in the middle of the night, what I remember, it, it disrupts my sleep for one. And I won't be able to go back to sleep properly if I turn on a light. So like if I wake up in the middle of the night from like a potent dream, I just sit with the dream and whatever it is. And I just kind of go over what's come up in the dream and I let that work its medicine. And if I remember it and when I wake up, you know, a few hours later than I remember it, if I don't, then it's just, it's in there. I know that something's shifting and changing inside of me and I don't specifically have to write it down. You know, I don't you, think that there's any right or wrong way to like work with dreams. No, but you saying that is so validating to me because I have felt the pressure from all of the conventional wisdom of like having a dream journal or trying to like type it out on my phone real quick with the light off. And I, I do it like a really similar thing. Like if I wake up and I remember it, I just keep my eyes shut and I just kind of try to live in that floating space in between dreaming and waking and kind of like replay it, experience it and just set that intention of like, I'll remember this later if I need to remember this later. Um, yeah. And of like experience it. And then there have been times where I can't like later in the day or later in the week, something will trigger it. And it's just like, remembering a memory it's just like it's yeah there. it's there yeah yeah and then I could yeah, write and it it's down. like it'll come up and I'll remember it when I need to remember it but I know that like I've acknowledged the dream the dream is happening it, it's happened and that part of myself has come up to be acknowledged but I don't specifically have to remember everything or every detail because mm-hmm. I mean sometimes all the small details that we might you know that we're encouraged to write down they might not mean anything and like when it came to the part of um, the healing work that I did with the little boy, I actually wrote down my dream and I wrote down all of the other details of my dream because he showed up in a nightmare. And I thought like all of the other, all of the other imagery that I saw in my dream, I thought that to be more important. Whereas like my teacher was like, no, let's talk about this little boy. Right. Right. And I was like, yeah. huh? So it was like, yeah. it actually took somebody else to point out like, you know, all those other details aren't aren't the point that matters the most it's Mm -hmm. this other part of you that's showing up those details of like you know um the door and like this horn and like it was like this bone corkscrew bone that I was like screwing into the door to keep this demon out that part didn't matter right um it was the little boy that mattered 
it's like it's like going back to like those deeper archetypes for things that are like show up and can take a different you don't have to have like all of the specific little details it's like there's a thing behind the thing yeah that's beautiful I love that yeah I think our I think our like brains because we're so focused um in like our rational brain mm -hmm. that we just like we try to overanalyze everything sometimes and sometimes our dreams don't it just becomes a mock when we like try to overanalyze our dreams too much. Sometimes it's just like, take it simply for what it is. Right. And right. Go yeah, with the feeling know? or go with the, yeah, go with like, yeah, go with the feeling. Like, what, what are you feeling when in that dream? Like what comes up for you? <laughs> right. Just those right. simple little things. Sometimes that's, that's, that's kind of where the magic lies rather than like overanalyzing everything. Yeah, there isn't going to be a test on it. And it doesn't have to be like fit into some Western idea of like, oh, I've taken all the data. I have all the notes. I have this thing. I'm going to be, you know, it's like, it's a little more magical than that. Yeah. Well, this has been such a pleasure to talk to you. And I want to give you space to share how people can connect with you, um, you know, on the internet or I guess if in person, if they were up in your neck of the woods. Um, well, Instagram would probably be the best way. And if people live out in, you know, Vancouver area, Pacific Northwest, just get a hold of me through my Instagram and then we can always connect. So it's at the urban.hermit.witch. Wonderful. And I'll make sure to put that in the show notes so people can get a hold of you. Veronica, Thank this you so much been, for having me here. It's been so fun. And I hope you're on a thousand more podcasts because you're like, an amazing guest to talk to there's so much more to talk to or <laughs> talk about uh, I, so I would love to come on again if you would have me I would love that hey friends thanks for listening to Leah rising a tarot and creative intuition podcast as of January 2021 this podcast and all of the information is archived so feel free to listen to the episodes the wisdom of the tarot is everlasting but much of the information about um, booking a reading from people has changed in the last couple of years. So know that there isn't a tarot um, Instagram account or email address or way to get a hold of me for readings at this point. And of course, I will update that in the future if it changes.